previously on the Leaky Bucket podcast. So the bad news here, right, is that you've been letting money slip through your fingers. The great news, however, is that you can now do something about it. And this is what frustrates me, right? 80% of people, so I'm talking to most of you listening now, you won't actually go and take some action. Just please do. Hi there, and welcome to the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Morgan, and this is the Financial Performance Podcast for entrepreneurs looking to get a better understanding of their numbers, to plug the leaks in their business, and to move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to the Leaky Bucket Podcast. This is the financial performance podcast for entrepreneurs looking to get a better understanding of their numbers, plug the leaks in their business, and then move from surviving to thriving. I'm your host, Ian Morgan, and we're powered by MBS Accountants. Hi, guys. So today's episode is actually a behind-the-scenes look at applying what we teach how we prevented an emotional reaction to something that really could have sideswiped our business. So firstly, I need to run you back to the start of this year. In early January, we sat down as directors of the company and we strategically mapped out what we want from the company this year. Before then, sitting down with all the team and getting their input on what could stop the plan from happening. When I say all the team, I really mean all the team. Everyone attends and everybody has a voice. Our plan for this year was reduce risk. So we were going to do this through, first of all, adding growth of around 50% in terms of revenue, not for better financial performance, but so that we could actually reduce the risks in the business. You see, at the time, we're a fairly small team of seven and we significantly lack cover for some really key roles. Our accounts department was one person, and no cover. And our bookkeeping and VAT team were just two people, even though that's the main bulk of our work. And the same was true on our admin side. One person only, no cover. And the marketing, it's all down to me. So the plan here was to hire several new team members to grow the team. But they weren't just going to be any old people just to put bums on seats. As you would expect, this is a plan with a recruitment process to test for the right skills and then only make that offer if there was a good alignment to our values. So first of all, we hired a bookkeeper. We trained her into a management accountant and all the way up to our standards. That gave us three bookkeepers in total, two of them trained in management accounts and VAT. We then hired a new accountant to double the size of our accounts preparation team. And this is going to allow us to complete work faster and carry out more early opportunity accounts jobs. Statutory reporting is key in accounting terms to remain legally compliant. However, it's not something that is highly valued or indeed that valuable. But we need to make sure that we're continually setting the bar in terms of the accounts department. At the same time as that recruitment, we also set about hiring a new admin person. Our one-off admin tasks were becoming a bit much and we needed to spread the load. Also, the admin team offers cover to things like emails and ensures that your work is all distributed correctly when you've got time off. So that would help with our ever-growing team. And we also set about hiring a marketing person. 
Now, this would end up being our single most difficult hire. We don't have experience really in marketing and we've been leaning on outsourced professionals to get us through. But we set about a little while back building a really robust process for content creation and how to then share that through through various social media channels and really create a robust content marketing plan. Our idea now is we just needed to find somebody that could take that process, improve it and twist it towards their style and then follow it. So by this time, Our strategic plan for the year was working really well. We were up to a team of 11. We've only got one planned hire left this year. And that's a client manager to manage pod three in around about September. However, things didn't quite play out as we planned. So our junior accountant is one of our bookkeepers. She's been with us coming up two years now and is about to qualify. There have been some struggles on the college side of the work and she'd happily point this out too but their practical technical work has been really good. Well, just last week, she let us know that she would not be staying with us after she completes her qualification, which is in around about six weeks time. Now to say we were shocked was an understatement. And not because we don't have like regular check-ins or we don't have pathways or there's no one-to-ones or anything like that. It's just because this hadn't come up as a possibility in any of those conversations. So, It was really easy to jump to emotional reactions. All those things start coming through your head. She's wasted her time. She hasn't lived our open and honest core value. Where's her loyalty at? She's messed up the plan and so on. Such a reaction is only natural. So what did we do to correct that? Because that's not positive thinking. So where did we go? We practice what we preach. Myself and my fellow director, Sam, we sat down and we aired out those emotional reactions. We knew we had to get those out and get them out of the way so that we can move forward. So firstly, let's just dispel all of those emotional reactions I listed. She wasted our time. Yep, she hasn't, clearly. If that had been the case, we wouldn't have kept on hiring her and we wouldn't have wanted her to stay. So it's clearly just emotions at that time. She hasn't lived the open and honest core value. Actually, she did. She came to us as soon as she received that offer. She laid out what her intentions were. She's actually agreed a longer notice period due to some leave that we've got planned because she didn't want to disrupt that and we asked if that would be possible. And she's also explained how she thinks the new role will be a better fit for her. That's open and honest, isn't it? Really? And then where's her loyalty? It's to herself. And really, that's where it should be. If she's not progressing and being loyal to herself, she can't possibly be loyal to anybody else because she's not showing up as her best person. So actually, we always plan to train any of our team members so they can leave and they can represent us really, really well. But we treat them like they want to stay. And she's admitted that she found the college study hard. And I'm sure she could have easily quit at any point. But she didn't. Possibly out of loyalty to us. She persevered. And she made great progress. Then what? What? She messed up the plan. She didn't though, did she? Firstly, the plan's not messed up. Yeah, it's off course. But it's a plan. It's not a prescription. Things change. We can react. And we can fix them. So now that we've got things turned around to a bit more logical type thinking, we needed to move on to a bit of an ideas phase. So here's what we did. Myself and Sam took that opportunity and we came up with four potential options. And I suppose a fifth thrown in as well. 
So number one, just hire a direct replacement. Number two, we go to offshoring instead. Number three, we sell off some of the poor fit clients that we possibly got. And then we spread out the remaining work amongst the other members of the team. Number four, would we bring forward the hire of the client manager that we've got planned for September? And five, something else. So from there, what we did, we split in two directions, right? Sam went off to discuss with the team and see what their feelings were on those various ideas, plus anything else that they may be able to bring to the table. And I spent my time running the numbers on the different options. Here's what we found. Number one, hire a direct replacement. Now, this is the easy answer. And very rarely is the easy answer the right one, though. Now, that doesn't mean we should discard it, because maybe actually when we go through all the thinking and we go through all the pros and cons, we come back to the easy answer. But very rarely is that easy answer the best one. If we just hire a replacement directly for what we've lost, what opportunities are we missing? Number two, we hire offshore instead. So we've got some pretty good experience at this. Nearly half of our team are not within the UK. We know the recruitment process works really well and that we can have somebody in place working with us in around about two to three weeks. That's significantly quicker than what we can establish in the UK. However, again, just because that option is quick and it's easy doesn't mean that it's the best option. And actually, this is one we discounted to not go back to because this role involves a number of phone conversations and wrongly so, but it's not our prerogative so I suppose, to change it. We do our bit, but we can't change it. In the UK, we still have some prejudice against those who are not from the UK or maybe they have an accent. And therefore, if we're going to stick this person into multiple phone conversations, we may just end up alienating some clients that we potentially got. So this might therefore not work. Number three is that we sell some of our poor fit clients and then we spread out the remaining of the work. Scaling back is a good option. We've done it before, actually on multiple occasions, and it worked well then. We could probably work on the Pareto principle and we could probably offload 80% of our issues from only offloading 20% of the clients. However, we only did this last year and the latest batch of them only moved on in September. Can we do it again? Would it work again right now? Option four was to bring forward the hire of the client manager. This looked like a potentially great idea and it was the fourth one. Now we could have easily stopped at one, two or three, but we kept going. What if the client manager came in and they've got some basic level bookkeeping experience? as well as maybe the other areas we're looking for. Hey there, really sorry for interrupting, but I really wanted to let you know about some amazing bonus content we have available for you. You see, not only do we record behind the scenes, but also we go deeper into some of the key topics that come up during the conversation. Now you can find out more about this and access all of it free of charge over on Facebook. Just search for the Leaky Bucket Podcast Community. And then in the meantime, well, we aim to grow that pod up and get some more clients that the client manager can manage. We can also have the client manager actually activating and doing the bookkeeping. That's not a skill that the person outgoing had. They couldn't end up with that client manager position where they could oversee everything and move things in the right direction. So that could free up some work that's currently sat with another client manager. Later on, we can then find another bookkeeper to come in and take some of that work away. So what about option five is the something else option? So from Sam's discussions around with the team, there were a few ideas that got bounced around and there was some amalgamation of some of the ideas. 
and some things were confirmed like we could cover the work in the short term by spreading it across the team but ultimately we didn't come up with anything else that was high enough value to be fully considered so now we're down to option three and four we decided that these are the ones that we're going to pursue in a bit more detail we can see how well they work from a logistical perspective but what about the costings from my findings, actually, the costings on both of these options were actually pretty close. However, the option to sell clients, when I was looking at the pros and the cons, the strengths, the weaknesses, any opportunities maybe, and the threats, actually, the option to sell is somewhat out of our control. We at least need to find one other interested party, ideally two or three. We've then got to negotiate with them. We've got to carry out any due diligence, and so have they. We've got to sort out the timings of the handovers, the legals, the communications to the clients, the actual handover of the work. There's just loads to sort. So therefore, actually, we decided this is quite a risky area because we don't know what the timeline looks like. And sometimes these can happen real quick. Other times they can take months and months or even years to resolve. So the decision was made. Let's bring forward the hire of a client manager. So from here, this is where we fly into action. And this is where we really, really work well. We've made the decision. We've looked at all the pros and the cons. We've got the emotional thinking out of the way. We're onto logical thinking. We've decided the best option. Now let's take action. And that's key. If you look at all these areas and you don't then take action, what are you going to do? So in the space of around a week, we've gone from our plan was on track. It's completely off track. Emotional reaction. Oh my God, it's doomsday. It's all over. Back to logical thinking. Decision made. We know who we need to go and hire. Now what we got to do is actually go and hire the person. We go back to the key of processes. As you can imagine, we've got a robust recruitment process. And here's how it works, right? Number one, the number one ideal thing from our opinion is your advert is there to sell your company and what it's like to work in your company. So don't follow the normal process of a boring ad with just a job spec and all those bits. Tell them why they would love to work with you. So here you go. Here are six key areas that you should do for a good job advert. Number one, explain what's in it for them, first of all. First thing you do if you've probably looked at a job advert is you go straight and you scroll straight away and you're looking for the salary and you're looking for the benefits. Don't make it hard to find. Don't stick it at the end. Just if you stick it at the end, all they'll do is they'll go to that bit and then they'll scan back up and read other bits and they won't get a full understanding of what the job role is. Just stick the key information at the top. Boom. Done. Then straight into explaining the role. What is the role? Headline information, what's involved? Then, about us. It's not all about us. It's about them first. They've got what the information they want. Now they're intrigued to go, okay, let me find out about the company and see if I want to work with them. So just give it a little bit of a background. We find some testimonials from the team of why they like working with us. They work really, really well. It gives a little bit of introduction. And actually, it's not just us saying we're a great place to work. The team thinks so too. Then we go into what we are looking for. What makes somebody good for this role? So just because they've then assigned, we're then going, actually, if you've got these characteristics and these skills, yeah, we think you've got a good possibility. And then we just do a double check and we just go, is this right for you? So actually, here's some other sides of looking at. So for example, if we were talking an admin-based role, then we might pose a question and go, is organization a struggle for you? Yeah, if it is, you're probably not going to like an admin role because it's about organization. And then after all of those questions, we simply go back to restate what is in it 
for them. So you said what's in it for them, both at the start and at the end. Now, in just short of a week, six days, we got nearly 400 applicants. 400. And we didn't do anything special with the salary. It's a pretty market rate salary, but we were just really clear in terms of what we want. So now if you follow traditional recruitment steps, right? Now you're thinking, oh my God, 400 CVs to read through. Boring. But that's not what we do, right? CVs don't really tell us anything. They might give us something about somebody's experience, but they're written from that person's perspective. It's really one-sided and it doesn't give you that fair view. So instead, what we do is we use customized skill tests. The stuff that we've built in-house using the various different specialist areas. So for client manager role, they need an element of bookkeeping and VAT. So we've used our bookkeeping and VAT experts to build those questions. They then need a little bit of accounting knowledge and tax knowledge. We've used our accounting and tax department to build that part in. And then in the client manager stuff, it's about advice and guidance around business. So we've used our existing client managers to bring in those questions. And then we've amalgamated all of that up into a full skills test. And these specific skills are the type of skills that are needed on a day-to-day basis in the role. And in our world of accounting, almost everything can be looked up and it doesn't need an answer right now. So that's how the test works, right? The majority of the questions, you can just take your time. You can go and Google some facts maybe behind the situation. Most of it, you're going to need to think and you're going to need to use experience. But we have a guidance in there to go, actually, if you're looking up, the majority of the questions, you should probably withdraw because you really aren't going to like it when you arrive because this is the typical things that you're likely to have in a day-to-day of that role. So from them skills tests being done, right, what we now do is we go and review the answers. The ones with around 80% of plus correct, they get to move forward. Now, we're not looking for perfection, right? We're not looking for 100%. We're just looking at the majority is in the ballpark in the right direction. Because we can train skills, we do a quick CV review, mainly just to check that they don't move around jobs every five minutes, a few other key bits of information, and then it's simply an invite to an interview. Now, by this stage, we've ruled out probably 80% of the applicants. With this process, then, all the pressure is taken out of the interview. In interview, right, nobody's got fear now of things. We tell candidates very clearly, you've done your skills tests, This is now a conversation and that's all we do. We make sure that our questions are conversation starters. We want to see that real person. How do they align to our values? What are they like when their guards are let down? And if this is someone I'd like to spend time with, maybe, do they understand what we're really about? We're just setting interviews right now for this role. But with nearly 400 applicants, if only 1% of those are awesome, that gives us four people to choose from who are the best of the best. So from my point, this podcast isn't a boast, it's not a brag. I can promise you, I personally have made some right balls ups when it comes to recruitment in the past. But don't worry about that. This is to point out that it could have been so easy to be stuck in that emotional reaction stage, to be still blaming that staff member when they didn't actually do anything wrong. They were just looking out for themselves. And actually, I'm confident it's the best decision all round for everyone involved. What I also know is that this situation could have led to a financial car crash in our business if we'd stayed stuck in that emotional reaction state. However, it hasn't. Actually, 
has led to a decision that will improve our financial results this year and also into future years. I'd love to continue the conversation. So come join me on Facebook. Look for the Thriving Business Community. Click to join and then let me know maybe about a time when you've reacted emotionally, what you did about it, or even maybe a current situation that you've got now where you just want to air your thoughts, maybe offload your emotional reactions, see what other people's outside input is to bring it back to logic. I'd love to hear about them either way. Also, don't forget, you can check out how good your financial systems and processes are using our free financial health checker. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for joining me. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'd love it if you could spread the message by clicking subscribe and leaving a review. And if you want to find out more, you can also fill out our online financial health check scorecard to see where all the holes might be hiding in your bucket. Just head over to mbsaccountants.scoreapp.com and you can also find the link in the show notes below. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'd love it if you could help spread the message by clicking subscribe and leaving a review. Also, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts on this episode. You can also find more info and links in the show notes below. See you next time. Coming next week on the Leaky Bucket Podcast. It, it, it had to be an easy decision because health and well-being, mental health is incredibly important to us. And watching my husband struggle was not an option anymore. So yes, there was going to be a financial hit, but getting my husband back, you know, Phoebe getting her dad back, him being able to take time out to spend with the family is worth so much more than any pounds or pennies could ever be.